Hello, people of Earth. Welcome to the Vintage Annals Archive podcast. I'm Dr. Thunder. This week, we're talking to Oscar Montoya, an actor, comedian, dancer, and podcaster with maybe the best facial hair in all of television. Rich and I are big fans of his role in the HBO show Minx, a series set in the 70s about the founding of Playgirl magazine, which also stars our recent guest Stephen Tobolowski. Oscar is a regular on College Humor and the Dungeons and Dragons-based show Dimension 20, and he hosts the podcasts Inside the Disney Vaults and Podcast Killed the Video Star. We talk with Oscar about getting dressed up in authentic 70s clothes, which Muppet he and each of his castmates are, and getting over stage fright by discovering improv. By the end of our talk, I come close to officiating a wedding between him and Rich. Before we start, be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen so you don't miss the great guests we've got coming up. Rating, reviewing, or sharing it with your friends will really help us out. If you'd like to leave us a voice message to use on a future episode, go to anchor.fm slash VAAPod and click message. That's anchor.fm slash VAAPod. The next voice you'll hear is my co-host Rich Wexler, photographer and creator of Vintage Annals Archive. Everyone calls me Alex here for some reason. All right, enjoy. Oscar. Hi. How you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? Tell you how much a pleasure this is to get to talk to you. Oh my gosh! Yeah, what a treat! Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to. You know, yeah. the impetus was like watching Minx. You know, we're still dealing with COVID, and I'm watching a show, yeah. and like nothing has ever made me that happy before. Oh, that means a lot. Alex, this is Oscar. Hey, how are you? Hi, Oscar. How are you, man? Oh, very good. You. Very so, good. So, Alex and I interviewed Stephen Tabalowski like yes. last week yes 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 yeah and he's i can't tell you how much love i have he's for a delight Kowalski. what a great guy yeah the question i want to start with is why why does mix make me feel like i'm watching the muppets why is it bringing the same <laughs> joy and I'm a, i mean if you can look at the back i'm a big i'm, I'm a jim henson guy you're a jim, jim henson, henson person i was born wow. on jim henson's birthday you, you know were. like i'm just you know I, I and i'm having this weird moment in my life where i'm i'm finally living my jim henson my jim henson moment and i and i'm very happy about it and i want to just fully embrace it i love that also i i just recently saw his earlier stuff before he was even doing the muppets there's a great short that i just saw it's on vimeo but it is his study on time timepiece yeah timepiece have you seen that one he won an oscar for that he did. Yeah, I was just impressed, floored by his yeah. genius. This is the thing I could talk about him for years. He made this weird <laughs> TV show. It was an hour show. It is about this guy who lived in a box, and like people come in and out of it sometimes. Very like Twilight Zone kind of thing. Okay. He did so many different things that people like don't really understand. But he spent years trying to develop a, a Broadway show. He spent years trying to develop a trippy disco. Really? He was trying to make this weird trippy really? disco. I don't even know where. He's just constantly experimenting. He and I and I love like you know he stopped the Muppets after five years because he's like I don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Also, to get to the Muppets, nobody would make the Muppets, so he had to make it in England because nobody would fucking do it because they were oh. they, they pigeonholed him so much into kids television that right. that he had went as far as naming the first episode Muppets Sax and Violence. <laughs> Watching Minx. It's very apparent to me, even watching it, how well everybody got along, like how how much caring I could tell. And I could particularly tell in certain characters, other characters, but it was obvious how much fun you guys were you were having, how much like love. It seemed like there was so support. And and it's it's also like there's so many rare shows that are like that. There's a show called, have you watched Loot? Have you seen Apple TV show called Loot? With, um, I haven't, no, 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 no. Same kind of thing. 
and it just always makes me feel oh. like the Muppets because it has a structure of we're gonna we're gonna make, make we might be bitching each other we might be doing bad things but we're gonna all work it out in the end and I think that's in my understanding of the show that's what I love about Minx is that like you know even the even the horrible boyfriend character is still a good guy yeah. and supportive right 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 in fact, when I think about the when we were, we were talking to Stephen Tavolosky he might be the only character that wasn't like that. Yeah, he was he had he had to be the bad guy. He had to be the bad guy because then, you know, people would hate uh, uh, Joyce for punching him in the face. So, yeah. yeah, it had to happen. Yeah, I we really, really loved each other. Um, and also we loved our characters like we had so much love poured into our characters. Like I fell in love with Richie. I'm very protective of Richie Um because he is modeled after an uncle of mine. So, you know, I come from a very sort of like machismo sort of household. And, you know, there's there's always one in, a, in the extended family that's a little bit weird, quote unquote weird. I'm using their <laughs> words. Uh, and uh, my uncle is one of those people, very sensitive, very kind man. Uh, and I didn't know it at the time, but he was sort of the first gay person that I've that I've ever known. Um nice. He was in the arts, very, he was the only one in my family to be involved in the arts. Uh, he was a painter. He wasn't a photographer, but, you know, still in the visual arts. He was very biting in, 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 in some of the stuff that he would say, but he was always incredibly kind. Uh, and that's what I took from for the character. Like I, I said, a big thing about Richie is like, no matter what happens with Richie, I just want to project the kindness he has towards his family, which is the people at Bottom Dollar Productions, those are his family, you know. So I think also everyone else injected so much kindness in their characters and so much love. The very first thing that we ever shot on that show was I don't I don't know if you remember the pilot episode, but um, I've watched the series two or three times. Oh, fantastic! So you know the the tiki scene when after after Shane sort of connects with Joyce, uh, there's a little earthquake moment, and uh, yeah. they sort of like lock eyes and. St- things start happening that then it cuts to the tiki bar scene that's the first thing we ever shot and we were all nervous because you know that was the first time we all met each other and we're like a lot of this scene is dependent on whether or not we all click or we all get along we all and i was i personally speaking was incredibly nervous because i was like if the magic isn't there it's not there you know we've seen shows where a lot of that chemistry just doesn't feel right it's it's very fabricated and it feels incredibly forced um and i didn't want that to happen for our show because so much of the show is dependent on us all liking each other and when i tell you it was the smoothest most fun process we all clicked immediately it just felt correct it just felt right and after that i I stopped worrying and uh, it was, it's been a treat ever since. It's just been so, so fun. Let me ask you a question. What mm-hmm. structure allowed that? What, like you're, t- you're talking about creating this character. Were you given more room to do that? Like, like absolutely. Much, so what, so what, absolutely. I, what, I would, what I would kind of look at real quick is like, what structure did they give you that kept everybody safe and collaborative? Yeah, I think it was um, a lot of it was, you know, Ellen Rappaport, who is the showrunner and, uh, it, it's from her twisted little horny mind. Okay. Uh, she had a beautiful template for each of those characters. But what she the smart thing she realized about it is that she was able to give us the gift of incorporating a little bit of ourselves into these characters. So she wasn't like 100 percent like beholden to her vision of what this character is. Like yeah. she was able to be like, wait a second, you're adding something 
a little bit different, something that I wasn't expecting to this character and then celebrated the choices that yes. we made, you know, That's not to say that it was like fully an improvised show because it wasn't, it was all written. It was all written very funnily. We yeah. did not want to mess around with the words because they were, it was incredibly written, but she let us develop our characters in our own way. How was it? Was it tricky to develop the, to bring your uncle into this? But also, but having the structure of our, or the words, like how did? No, I don't think so. No, I guess some question is, how did you do that? Like, how do you incorporate another ca character that is saying things that your uncle might not say? How were you able to kind of marry those two things? I think a lot of it is like reading Richie's character, and I will say, like in the first episode, there really isn't much to latch onto for Richie. I knew like facts about Richie, and I knew that the time period was around the time period my uncle was, or you know around that age, you know, in his 20s. And so something about reading Richie, I just couldn't stop thinking about my uncle. Nice. And I th I think it was like, and, and this was just me reading the script. Like, I just felt kindness, just like a warmness about Richie. Like, Richie felt like someone that you've known forever, you know? Yeah. It wasn't someone who is like this unapproachable, because I think another version of this show is like Richie being sort of like unapproachable, too cool for school, sort of like, this yeah. is my life, you know? So I didn't want that character to be that way. And so to me, I just read it being like, I'm going to inject a lot of warmness, a lot of kindness into him. And the easiest way for me as an actor to do that is to tap into someone that I already knew. And that was my uncle for me. You know, if I was doing it and if the director or the showrunner was like, that's not what I was thinking the character was, then I would have stopped it and gone another direction. But because they were so open and receptive to the way that I was performing Richie, it was great. How much of you is in that character, but how, but maybe, but the other question is how much of your uncle is in you? I feel like those are kind of two of the same questions. I think, yeah, that's a great question. There's a lot of my uncle in me. I mean, he was the... He was the artist of the family. And for someone who pursued art from an early age, that was someone I looked up to, you know? So of course there's a lot of influence of my uncle in me that is still to this day. There's a lot of me in Richie, especially towards later in the season, specifically episode seven, which is where he goes to Hockney's pool party. There is, I mean, that is like, that's a performance that is the most me of any episode on Minx. Like I, tend to be a, a sort of an intro i'm an introvert by nature i get a little shy around large groups of people especially ones that i don't know and my journey has been sort of like i think i think also like i'm not the only one going on this journey i think as artists we all go through this journey of not being totally confident in your art especially when you feel like an outsider and i think yeah. for me yeah. doing comedy I felt like an outsider because like before I did comedy, I was a dancer. I was a professional dancer. I didn't oh, wow. fit in into mm. the comedy, quote unquote, comedy scene. Are we talking jazz hands? Are we talking like horse <laughs> line? Are we talking, what are we talking dancing? We're talking, we're talking Pop sort line. of just like contemporary art, sort of like the hippy dippy sort of art. Okay. Uh, uh, Pina Bausch. Yeah. Sort of <laughs> slow-mo, you know, exactly. <laughs> Choreographing through feelings and emotions, you know, that, that was very much what oh, nice. I did. So, you know, going into the comedy world, I did, I felt very othered, you know, um, yeah. as, as someone of color, uh, seeing a being in a predominantly white space, as a gay person, being in a predominantly heterosexual space. 
yeah, I wasn't confident about my own comedic voice at all. I just didn't. It just people looked at me like I was insane. Like I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so for that, I tapped very much into that feeling of isolation with Richie in that episode. And it is, it's I mean, clear. I, I might be biased, but no. it is, in my a- opinion, the best episode. <laughs> well, it's funny because I was just about to ask about that episode. You're in this space. You're feeling like you want to leave. You're blocked yeah. in. And then I don't know what I don't remember the next scene, but somebody gives you a drink or some there's some somebody give, someone smiles at you and you just go like yes and I'm home. And I can, Absolutely. I can see that right? And that's all um, it takes. That's yeah. all it takes. What I love about certain like shows is that I'm a documentary photographer, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the, the the place where you can create reality within character I, I did a, one of the best moment things i've ever done with my life is i directed a high school version of, of rents with and oh, i wow. it was all like it was queer kids it was i was we were cast the, the same exact as the cast except for one of the joanne character was um straight i see oh everybody that's else was as is yeah and yeah, yeah. what you're talking about it was the same thing i was like i was like look i cast that our roger was a guitar player in a band Everybody, you know, everybody I cast, I saw that character. And I'm like, all you got to do is take half the character and take half of you. And then absolutely you're good, right? I think also when it comes to acting, people are looking for, they're more impressed with showing honesty than transformation, right? Yeah. We do have these incredible like chameleons that can like do almost any role. But I think when it comes to performance, a lot a lot of people resonate with the authenticity. And if they're yeah. able to read these characters and be like, I can tell that this was a very honest moment. You know what I mean? I could look at the scene and be like, oh, this felt real. This I believe this story. I believe this character. I'm fully on board with whatever they have to say. You know, acting to me is a journey of trust between yeah. the performer and the audience member, you know? Yeah. Your whole validity as an actor is, do you trust me in this role? And if the audience feel like you are giving this character the life that they deserve, because all characters deserve a lot of life in the roles, you know, and honesty, they're going to trust you the entire way. Ever wonder how people make money creating podcasts when they're just starting out? Well, I'll let you in on our little secret. We don't. If you'd like to support the show so we can keep sharing these great conversations with the creators we love or want to sponsor the show with an ad, please reach out to us directly at VentureJournalsArchive at gmail.com. Some of the best ways to support the show are totally free. Post about the podcast, rate and review and subscribe to it, as well as our Instagram at VentureJournalsArchive. Put us in touch with people you think we should interview. Thanks so much just for listening. Rich Wexler Photography is proud to sponsor the Vintage Annals Archive podcast. Rich uses photography as a way to connect with all types of diverse communities and to celebrate the rituals within them. He's available for hire for creative portraits and special events. Like his work in curating Vintage Annals Archive, his main influence is the past, so he enjoys shooting on film, Polaroids, and even in 3D. More information can be found at richwexlerphotographer.com or on his Instagram or Facebook of the same name. That's richwexlerphotographer.com. Dr. Thunder Karaoke is a proud sponsor of the Vintage Annals Archive podcast. Hey, that's me! If you want karaoke at your next birthday party, family reunion, staff party, house party, wedding reception, parole hearing, or any type of event, go to thunderkaraoke.com or at thunderkaraoke on Instagram or Facebook to schedule it now. 
we do both in-person and virtual events, karaoke or DJing or trivia games, and everything from emceeing kids karaoke to stripping into my cape and tights anywhere you need me. We've got a roster of amazing DJs just waiting to make your party unforgettable, so schedule yours today. Now, back to the show. Are you a fan of um, the fame, the original 80s, 1980s fame? Oh my God, yeah. Did you relate to, uh, I don't know his name. The, With the dancer? Freddie, Freddie Prince. Yes. Oh, not, but yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, fame, yeah. Did you relate? I mean, he was a comedian. Do you relate to that character? Did that character kind of influence you in Oh my God, absolutely. Oh, it definitely resonates with me. Absolutely. Yeah, there is a comment. I mean, honestly, I relate to most of the cast on fame as someone who like lived in New York City, like in an inner city, went to a public and this idea of escaping this prison for for fame. I mean, to quote the movie for fame, you know, that was a dream. That's a dream that doesn't feel like a reality because you don't think it's possible where you come, where you live, you know, well, you sh- are you comfortable sharing some of that? Like, what was your path into this? In, in I mean, you're living, you're living fame, right? But let's go back further if you want. Yeah, yeah. So I started dancing since I was four years old. I did a lot of like folk. I'm from Colombia. I'm from South America. And I did a lot of cumbia dancing, which is like the traditional folkloric dancing of that country. So I was dancing that forever and ever and ever. But then again, so then you have this idea of like, and I loved it. I loved it. This idea of like artistic pursuit versus family obligation. I come from a family that didn't really support that side. It was, you know, it's a family of immigrants who was like, you need to have a real job to financially support yourself and your family. An opportunity that we were never given, you know, the fact that I was like pursuing arts felt like a frivolous point of privilege for them. You know, they didn't have the luxury of pursuing art. Oh my God. What a, what a glamorous a privilege to just like be a starving artist, you know, when there's like true responsibility on the table. So I always felt at odds with that, you know, like I never saw myself as someone that could hold a nine to five or have a quote unquote real job. I always imagined myself to be one of those romanticized artists that you would see like in Rent, like in Fame, sort of struggling to find my truth, my artistic truth. So Through folkloric dancing, I found modern and contemporary dancing because I just felt like that form of dance resonated with me more than, say, like ballet, which felt to me too rigid and too sort of regimented in a way that you had to look a certain way to be to be considered a ballet dancer. Like I liked the leniency of contemporary dance where you could look however you wanted to look. You can move however you wanted to look as, as long as you were able to captivate an audience in your movement, that was valid, you know? So I love that. Oh, that resonated with me very, very, very much. You know, today is like the, I don't know what year it's the 47th anniversary of course line, right? What's, what's the role of course line in your life? If any, yeah, yeah. You know, I discovered Chorus Line very late in my life. I saw it after I after <laughs> I stopped dancing professionally, but it resonated with a friend of mine was on the show, uh, Jay Lane Marcos, who's an incredible musical uh, musical theater actress. What's her name? Uh, Jay Elaine Marcos. Okay. And she was great. She's actually in the Chorus Line. They they did like a they I did really it at the that. Hollywood Bowl, I think, a couple of oh. years ago. She was okay. in that, and she was also she also did on Broadway. Nice. When I saw it, I was like, "Wow, this this really resonates." The struggle, and again, not to go back to the the POC experience, but like 
Okay. The, the POC experience of that one. I don't remember the character's name, but he was, you know, a Latino and dance, a dancer too. Like that resonated with me very, very much. So yeah, yeah, it all, it all resonated. And in a way I was like, oh, I wish I saw this when I was dancing or maybe not. It might've been a too triggering for me. <laughs> As a dancer, like I always looked up to people like Pina Bausch, who's uh, a Brazilian uh, choreographer and dancer. Incredible. I mean, like the stuff that she was doing was out of this world. She yeah. truly, I'm always obsessed with people that are able to take something and then like bend the rules on what it could be, what it could look like. So I don't know if you know Pina Bausch. I've seen the, I've seen, is that the, the 3D film? Yes, there was a documentary. I mean, she, she's, she's an absolute, she was an absolute legend for me yeah. growing up. Wow. But then when I, uh, when I started uh, doing comedy and performing and acting, I was always drawn to people like Isabella Rossellini. Mm-hmm. She, to me, in my mind is one of, one of my biggest idols ever and it's not so much the stuff that she was doing in like mainstream hollywood movies she did a video series yeah was it on hbo it's called green porno and it is oh my gosh it's yeah please i i recommend okay. you okay i think they're on youtube i'm sure yeah, they're easy to find. i think I of the insect mating oh, habits Rich. or something i think it was yeah there was something about the way that she, what a simple concept <laughs> right to show like the sex lives of these animals, but it's all about the way that it was being performed for me. I was like, oh, there's this weird theatricality <laughs> to this. It does, it does have elements of contemporary dance too, which I like really resonate towards. And I'm constantly fascinated mm-hmm. by incorporate incorporating theatrical elements because I come from like, you know, dance, which is a theatrical performance element, and also comedy which is done in theaters typically so i'm always interested in taking these like theatrical elements and putting them on screen and seeing what they do that's why i love the pina bausch documentary uh but that's and it's like just off kilter enough that it just piques my interest like i'm always drawn to like the very bizarre the very weird there's something a bit odd about it Hmm. um so isabella rossellini for me is like one of my icons nice in in that aspect yeah that's like a performance piece meets you know puppetry almost yes i don't don't know if i'm crazy but somehow it reminds me of like i think it's julio torres who had that special about oh my gosh yes that's right yes somehow that seems very similar in uh, mood and yeah right right yeah that's yeah so i'm drawn i mean julio torres is another great uh example like someone that i respect i think what he's doing in comedy is so unique. There is no other Julio Torres that exists in this universe, and there will never nope. be another Julio Torres. So what he's doing for <laughs> Los Espookies and his specials is like unbelievable. I just I'm so fascinated by people who are able to take something and make it so undeniably theirs. Nice. I'm always fascinated by that. Yeah, because to me, that shows real artistry. Yeah, speaking of Los Spookies, Fred, Fred Armisen did that whole thing, like comedy for drummers, where it was specifically focused on a certain audience. Yeah. Th- those sort of things. It's so inventive, and yet you can do those sort of things, maybe because of streaming platforms now. Absolutely. And if I, Absolutely. If I, and if I have to kind of like draw a parallel to documentary now, which you get, and, and Minx, it's, there's such, there's so much care to detail. You can tell every choice was made with care, and and you know and and uh and it's that to me is what sells it like the little the little jokes i'm a, I'm a big simpsons fan i'm you know i don't know if oh you are, of course. i mean yes of course yeah and i think i think simpsons would reward you if you look closely because it would make these little tiny jokes 
that most people are throwaway jokes, right? Throwaway jokes, exactly. Pay attention to them. I mean, again, like for co-op, it's it's a throwaway joke about you know the course line that nobody except for the the, the other like thousand Jewish kids who were forced to go to musical theater <laughs> for you know fifteen years. I always make a joke. I say, you know, as a Jew in America, we our parents legally have to take us to New York six times a year, otherwise. Right. You know, the Jew it's the other. It's the other birthright trip. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my God, Broadway, the other birthright. <laughs> I'm making that. So what I, I want to dig is I want to dig into your own performance. Mm. I want to ask you a first question: Is, is there ever been power, is there ever been uh, a world of where comedy and dance came together for you? But after, but I just want you to start going into. I want to find out what you're doing now, like your own stuff. I want to. Yeah. I, I have not been able to even take a moment. I, I don't. This has kind of come on so suddenly. I'm doing all this stuff that I don't have the proper time to research people. Oh my god! Yeah, there's no need to read. The research like is enough. I'm the research. But also, like, I feel like you know, um, getting back to what you said before, like, and, and we talked to Stephen about this. If you, I don't know what he said. Remember what Stephen said about like something about comedy? Do you remember the, the quote he said? Truth trumps witty. Something like that. Something along those lines. Mm. <laughs> you know, I fully agree with that. Right. Yeah, and so like you know. And I think and that's where the realness comes in. And it's like, it's truth. And the more true it is, you know, the more fun you can make fun of it, the more you can play, the more like, and I, and I think also to me, a piece of that is like, not just truth, but commitment. Oh commitment my God, to, absolutely. Like, and that's where like, you know, you get into like Del Close and improv. I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a comedy nerd as well. So like mm. this idea of like, you know, yeah, I think they, the first day of improv, they tell you, don't try to be funny. Just go into the truth of the scene. The funny will kind of find itself. Yes. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I just wanted to say, yeah, as, as as a comedy geek, I really want to hear about your college humor experience. And I, I think I saw mm-hmm. you were on uh, Comedy Bang Bang, which I love. I'd love to hear, you know, anything about either yeah. of those. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think. OK, so like when I was so. When I was dancing, this is going back to dancing, but this is very important. When I was dancing towards the end of my dance career, I suddenly had a, a, a bout of stage fright. I, for some reason, could not get out of my head when I was performing. And I suddenly became very aware of myself in a, in a space. Uh, and I was trapped there for years i just like couldn't get out of it and i don't know what i don't know what happened i don't know what changed but suddenly it just became terrifying terrifying to a point where i would try to i couldn't do anything by myself if i had a solo i had to do i couldn't do it if i had to audition and they asked me to freestyle which is like do whatever you want let the music inspire you i couldn't do it i was absolutely frozen i couldn't get out of my head a friend of mine his name is Christian Jacobs. He ha- he took an improv class at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. And I was sort of grieving to him what was going on in my life and just how it was affecting my professional life. Uh, and he was like, I think maybe you should take an improv class. And I said, improv? Never. <laughs> I'm not funny. I'm not, I don't know that I'm, I don't ever want to be a comedian. I, 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 my brain does not work that way. Uh, and he's like, no, I think, I think it'll loosen you up. I think it's a good way for you to be comfortable in your skin. He's like, it helped me sort of trust myself more. And I was like, well, that, that's what I do need because I didn't trust myself, you know? Uh, and so I went to my first class. Uh, oh, and he also reassured me. Cause I was like, I'm going to be 
with performers like i'm not up to par there and he's like don't worry about it there's lawyers that take this class there's like stay-at-home moms that take this class and i was like okay great i show up and the first class everybody was like talking about snl and how they wanted to be famous all that stuff terrified (laughs) me i left after three classes but i was obsessed with improv and when i tell you obsessed i just i looked at it as someone who's seen magic for the very first time. I just could not believe these people were making stuff up. We're making cohesive theater, which is again, yeah, something I was very drawn to. They were making cohesive theater out of nothing at all. I have never seen anything like that in my life. Yeah. And I was fascinated. Yeah. I was drawn to it. I spent every single day going to an improv show, analyzing everything. Mind you, I was not taking classes at the time. I was purely just observing like a skeptic would look at a magician doing a trick. You know, I was just like, how did that happen? Okay, I saw this. And then and then after a full year of just watching shows nonstop, I was like there. I need to go back and do it. Clearly, I'm drawn to this. Clearly, I'm fascinated by this. I am terrified of performing and being funny in front of people. I still didn't know what that meant at all. Um and then I went to a place called the People's Improv Theater in New York. Is that tied to like, um, I thought the People's Improv was tied to uh, Del Close and, and, and yeah. his wife. So like the person who owned the People's Improv Theater is uh, Ali Farinakian, who, okay. who was one of Del Close's students, you know, worked with Amy Poehler and the UC4 okay. a lot. So like that was his theater. Is Del Close's skull still there or is that somewhere else? I think that's an <laughs> urban legend. I'm not totally sure. I don't think that's his actual skull. Um, but I'm not the right person to ask. I don't know. Go on. I'm sorry. Um, I'll ask Ali. Um, but, um, (laughs) so I took a class. I took a class with a man named Kevin Scott, who has truly changed my life. So, you know, we would, you've taken improv classes. So I assume you both have taken improv classes. So it's, you know, you, two people go up and you do a scene or whatever. I was absolutely terrified. And the way that I would cheat, because I would cheat is I, all I would do is I would repeat what the person before me said, yeah. because I didn't know what to say. I was paralyzed. <laughs> so someone initiated a scene saying like, wow, it's a nice day outside. I would say it, it is a nice day outside. So I would have the responsibility <laughs> taken off of me. And I would theoretically speaking be yes, yesing at least, you know, I wouldn't yeah. be doing much anding, but yesing for sure. Uh, and uh, clearly uh, not doing well, you know, not doing well. I, I, I was just a, a parrot could have been funnier than me, you know. So um, right. my uh, my teacher, Kevin, was like stopped, stopped me in the middle of a scene uh, and was like, can you give Oscar the line again? And Oscar, I want you to respond how you would respond. And I don't know. It sounds very obvious now. But when I tell you that blew my mind in a way that I was not expecting. I was like, what do you mean? (laughs) Me? I'm not in the scene. I'm playing someone else. And I I was just like, "Uh, uh, what what do you mean? And he's like, yeah, if someone said this to you, how would you react? How would you respond? And they took it back and and he said the thing that he said. and, And then I replied in a way that I would normally reply. And it got such a huge laugh. It scared me. It really scared me. Cause I, cause it brought a lot of things uh, to light suddenly. Oh, I don't have to play. I don't have to like pretend that I'm someone completely different than my own. I can be myself. And because I'm on stage, I am a character because the audience 
doesn't know the difference right. between me as a person and me as a performer. And that goes back but, to what we talked about half you, half half character. Right? Absolutely. And, you know, that was one of the biggest acting yeah. lessons I have ever had in my entire life. When in doubt, go back to you because you are all you have. Right. Yeah. So when you're confused or like stuck on something like what's my motivation for this scene, for this character, always good default to you. How would you do it? Because you're a person. And uh, like I said before, people <laughs> people look at honesty right yeah people people require trust you know they feel they need to like trust you and the way that they're not you're not going to earn their trust is by acting like a cartoon character you know right. they're not going to trust that but if you're a human being they're like yeah. oh i recognize parts of me in this in this performance i know someone who is this person on this show i'm drawn to this person nice. so that was the biggest life lesson and performance lesson I have ever learned. And from that moment, I learned to number one, be comfortable in my own skin as, as a performer. Okay. Number two, trust myself as a performer. Three, prove that I am yes, capable of being funny, you know, which is something that I never saw myself as I never saw myself right. as a fun. I was never the funny person in any social situation, you know, suddenly I was like, Oh, wait, I am funny. Like I, I am capable of comedy. And I have a unique comedic perspective i got you all in that one fell yeah. swoop i was wow. able to realize all of that stuff and it changed my life that had to be a huge dopamine rush too getting a big laugh oh, while being fully yourself oh yeah <laughs> and now a quick word from our sponsor Hey folks, this is Kevin Allison of The Risk Podcast, where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I've been a big fan of the Vintage Annals Archive Instagram for a long time now. I love all the love that goes into the celebration of some of the more obscure and off the beaten path parts of pop culture history and, you know, the amazing artists and bohemians who you know, might not be so much in the spotlight right now, but that we still have so much to be inspired by or, or just to have a good laugh with. And now I'm such a big fan of the Vintage Annals Archive podcast. I'm one of the first guests on it. I got to say, Rich and Dr. Thunder, their style is so unpredictable and surprising and just doesn't follow all the conventions of your typical like interview podcast. It's much more like conversations with friends that can just go anywhere. Just kind of like my podcast, Risk, you know, in comparison to other storytelling shows, there is a level of raw honesty and intimate vulnerability in the stories shared on Risk. People have shared jaw-dropping stories about cannibalism or kidnapping or the kinkiest sort of kink stories, you know, but also spiritual breakthroughs, beautiful stories about transcending trauma, near-death experiences, and even, you know, just flat out hilarious, you know, the most mortifying things that people have lived through. That's why Risk is such a favorite podcast of therapists and outdoor adventurers and activists and writers because it's a show that is just so filled with life at its most so that is why the risk podcast and the vintage annals archive podcast are so simpatico good friends <laughs> a lot in common 
So seriously, do yourself a favor, subscribe to both podcasts and spread the word. Take a risk. I'm still trying to figure out why, like myself, why you, why people that have a tremendous stage fright choose an audience, <laughs> right? Why, you know, like what kind of like, you know, it's this sick nature is that, right? Absolutely. So I did all kinds of theater. I couldn't try out. Uh, I don't want to get into my whole theater, but what I wanted to write to is I took improv and I, and I found it really good. I found there was like a spiritual end of improv where it was about self-love, where no matter what I did, I, if I started hating myself or if I was judging myself, I couldn't be open and honest in the moment. And I took the first two classes that got through them. I, every time I came home, I, I did hate myself dearly, but it was a good, but it was like a good practice. <laughs> yeah. I found that I was really good at like reacting, but I was never good at starting. I see. I could be really fun. I could be great. And I even took a musical improv class where they do like musical theater as improv. And I loved it. And yeah. I, I'm like, I keep going and I'm in grad school and I'm like, I'm like, let me go to level three. And then we get into the Herald. Right. And mm. so I'm like, okay, here we go. And we're like, first time we do it, it's like, you know, the first part of the Howard, from my understanding, it's, you know, if we don't know, it's a Howard is a structure to just try to try to let you do all kinds of stuff. And it somehow makes it coherent. It brings things back. So it makes a narrative. I still don't understand it, but I know enough about it for that. Right. So like, you know, the first part of the Howard is like, we're just word association, right? I'm like, great. So it's like three minutes. And then, and then from that word association, there you go. Right. And I'm like, great. I'm having fun. I'm doing it. I'm so ADD. <laughs> 20 seconds after all the word association i have forgotten in the entire of course thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and and they're and they're you know you're waiting to be called on and you had it has a structure you gotta do you have to call back certain things you, and i'm yeah. like and i gave up i left improv but i was happy i was happy in my world in it and like when i yeah. think about like improv like you know some of my favorite performing thinking about documentary now i'm a big sctv fan because it's oh my like, god yeah it seems like they created those from enough reading about it, they created those characters and then they wrote it. So they played as those mm -hmm. characters. And I, and I kind of got the feeling that like, that's what I felt from Nix, that it was mm -hmm. like, that the, you're, you're, you know, even though it's structured, you're playing with it and that, and that's how it's being formed and that's inferring the future. And I think like having that freedom, when I did, when I directed Rent, I told the kids, I'm like, my whole process was like, all I want you to do is be in the moment. I don't care if you mess it up. I said, I want you to always be right. looking around, listening, you know, I did theater in high school and I'm like, okay, I got to get to door six, door five. We made the blocking based on their improvisation. So it makes sense to them. You know, I'm, I'm very admirable of you because I, I know that world. I know how hard it is. And I know like how, when you just push and push and push, and then you oh, have your moment where like everything, you have that moment where like 10 years of what the fuck am I doing? How much I hate myself goes, holy yeah. shit, we're good. Right. Yeah. And also, like, you know, it's a shame to hear that you stopped after the Herald. The Herald is one of the craziest monsters to ever exist. I encourage you to continue doing improv because the Herald isn't the end all be all of improv as well. I think you should continue doing it. And I think you should continue yeah. doing musical improv. I also used to do musical improv as well. Yeah. So it's very fun. Right now, I'm watching every episode of Documentary Now because I want to figure out we're going to be telling people stories. Mm -hmm. How can I tell those stories? How can I make it uh -huh. like drunk history? How can I make documentary now, SCTV, mm -hmm. Kids in the Hall? How can I make that part of telling well, the story? Well, you know, a big part, and, you know, to go to come back to Minx, I think a big part of all of these examples is that you need a group of freaks that are going to ride with you to the very <laughs> oh. end. You know? It, oh, I have, I, I have a group yeah. of Great. I love, I mean, I love that. And I think that's the magic of Minx, too, <laughs> is that, like, you have all of these weirdos, literal weirdos from society in Los Angeles in the early 70s, you know, coming together to create the seediest publication 
at the time, yeah. you know, and yet they are all yeah. kind. They're all lovable. They're, so kind. they're sweet, you know? So it's like, it's this expectation that you hear, oh, these are, this is a show about people working on a porno mag. And so the expectation is like, these are all drug addicts that, you know, to like generalize, like, oh, these people are like, you know, sinners or whatever, you know, but then it's like, oh no, these are just people. These are normal <laughs> everyday people, you know? So I think my favorite relationship, my favorite relationship in that is Joyce. And um, I can't think of her name because I'm just tired as hell. Oh, Bambi. Yes, yes, yes. Just low. They're like, I feel like the, the, my favorite relationship mm-hmm. in that is the two of them. Like that's the most transformative Absolutely. relationship in my Well, because, you know, Joyce, Joyce's character walks into the space being one of those people. The expectation is like, these people are seedy. These people are here to mug me. They're, take, they're here to take my money. You know, she landed in Gamora, as she says in the pilot episode. But then the longer that she's <laughs> there, she like learns to love all of these people and respect them as contributing members to her magazine, you know, without these quote unquote yeah. seedy people, she wouldn't have nothing, you know? And then she learns to love it. And yeah. then she's aware. This is the why I love Mink so much is that she's aware of her own prejudices as someone who is quote unquote, a woke feminist, modern feminist of the seventies. She's like, Oh wait, I still have weird hangups about race, gender and femininity, you know? The episode where she goes to the mob wife's house was so transformative for Joyce because, Mm -hmm. again, the expectation was like these are housewives that must be so unhappy in their lives. But there she realizes there's a lot of power in that sort of lifestyle and then is able to use when they welcome her in when it when it switches, just like, you know, your character going from I'm like, I feel anxious, but now I'm comfortable. She like all of a sudden is like being taken care of by them, like those moments in that show. All right, I, I'm gonna. Sh- I gotta stop talking. I wanted you to tell me about the freaks, <laughs> the weirdos that you've chosen to work with to do. I know your main your main show is what your main. What is your baby right oh, now? Oh, I mean, my baby. Right now, I live in the podcasting space because the pandemic has really ruined every everything for the performing arts live theater. It's picking back up again, but uh, right now, yeah, right now I have a, a couple of podcasts up. But you know. My biggest freaks are, you know, my friend Mono Agapian is someone that I've met along the way who like I really gel with. We're like peas in a pod. We both support each other. Absolutely. You know, every weird idea that we have, we fully support. I'm like in the process of writing a horror short right now and like putting it up with this guy named Cooper, who's incredible. And again, another weirdo, another freak that thinks just like me. We have the same point of view when it comes to comedy and horror, which is something that I that I love. What are some of your um, what are some favorite horror movies? Oh, my God. Well, I mean, my big thing, I always tell people that Frank Henenlotter is God to me. Frank Henenlotter is the director of what I think is the holy trinity of horror movies. Basket Case, Brain Damage and Frankenhooker. Mm. All I wanted to do for about uh, a year was was figure out a way to make Basket Case, but to give the monster a voice. I wanted to oh, Belial. <laughs> <laughs> because if you if you watch it, like it's the, the other characters just like yes okay no like you can tell there's conversation but you only hear one Act, part of yeah. it. I wanted to like overdub. I wanted to. I want someone maybe you can do it, <laughs> to put that out, but with a, with. I love that. Voice. Yes, basket case. The Belial take. Go yeah. back. Go back. So go back. I'm no, sorry. no, yeah, yeah. I had to, I had to throw that <laughs> no, it's great. Yeah, no. So, but I'm drawn to the sort of like '80s, specifically '80s, sort of gory, sort of like DIY horror. I'm like so impressed by that stuff. Again, it goes back to like what I what I'm stimulated by this like do it yourself 
art form like these yeah. like green porno for example it all felt like home like it was made like they made it themselves you know so i'm yeah. very drawn to that the, where you could see sort of the the wires you can see sort of the flaws you know the acting isn't the best but like the intentions are still there. John Waters, for example, is my absolute hero. And I mean, talk about someone who found freaks. I mean, John Waters is the blueprint for creating art with your weird friends, you know? The movie, talking about photography, because of, you know, both of us being Richie photographers, Mm -hmm. um, watching Pecker made me become a documentary photographer because that movie is so fucking kind. They are so kind to each other. They're so loving. You know, for as weird as that world is, that movie is the kind of one of the kindest films, and you don't expect no. it because again, it's like the same world of minx. It's these degenerates, yeah, and the joy. Like, and I also feel like we're in such a weird time that like we all have to just we have to focus on joy. We have to focus Absolutely. on like sharing joy, giving to yeah. each other. I feel like that's why why we're going for storytelling here is because when you share your share your soul and someone else does, you're friends then, you're family, right? And I feel like it seems like. What we're all talking about to me is families. How do Without we, you know, doubt. because of the family of minks, it was it was wonderful because we felt like everybody was supportive, brothers, sisters, mothers, you know, whoever. I'm sure the dynamics get kind of weird about like, well, you know, they might be your age, but they're more of a mother mm-hmm. or a grandmother. I was having a conversation about the idea of daddy when it comes to like kink, and I'm like, are there, I'm like, I identify as a mommy daddy. I'm like, are there mommy daddies? Because if, if wait, like, break I, that I'm down for me. Mother, what, what, I'm a Jewish mother daddy. <laughs> Like what the yeah, fuck is that? Mommy I, I daddy, I like it. I'm a Jewish mother daddy. I think, I think no? that needs to be popularized. <laughs> I love that. I, I don't want to get into gender too much, but I feel like in my life, all the gay men. I, I'm, I mean, I'm straight for the most part, but you know, grow, grew up. I grew up in a very mainstream, but like gay men made me feel like I could be who I am. Gay men are, are my gay men are my mommies, yeah. right? It's family. Yeah. It's it's you, you know you're a freak. I'm a freak. We're gonna take care of each other. Well, yeah, we're we're talking about we're talking about families and groups of uh, freaks. Uh, that's the perfect analogy for the Muppet Show. You know, I guess John Waters came before the Muppet Show existed, but it's uh, it's all of a progression. It's all of a, a history of groups of freaks making great things I mean, together and creating your own. I family. think you're right. I think you hit the nail on the head. And to go back to the very first question you asked, Rich. I think Minx is like the Muppets because we're essentially doing the same thing that the Muppets are doing in the Muppet Show. The Muppets are. I want you to answer who are. I want you. Uh, I, I want to. I want you to tell me. I want you to oh break no. it down oh and tell who's me. Who's Sammy? God. Who's Sammy? I want us to. For, I want to take five minutes. We can do it together to make to make a thing of who who, who is who's which who. Muppet. Oh God. Okay. Let's see. Uh, and then we're gonna. And then we're gonna call it Josh David. Johnson Animal. <laughs> I don't know, you know. Jack Johnson. Yeah. Who are Maybe you? He's Kermit. Who, who, who I think. You? What I think Muppet Joy, are you? I think Joyce is Kermit. I think Joyce is Kermit. That makes sense. I think Tina is Scooter. Tina. Adara Victor. Tina? She's a secretary. Okay. Uh, she's Scooter okay. because she's doing all the work behind the scenes. Like Scooter is like okay. always constantly maintaining, just like being okay. the voice of reason for most of the situation. Okay. Um, okay. Tina. I think. Oh my gosh. I think. I think. Uh, I can't wait Doug. to turn this into a PowerPoint, <laughs> by the way. I think it, Doug is every single member of the Electric Mayhem. Okay. Combined to yes. one. Yeah, yeah. Is that the name of the band? There you go. Yeah, okay. yeah. I have, uh, I have them on my arm. Oh, oh, really? 
<laughs> Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I'm going full crazy. I've, I've fully embraced my Muppet path. Listen, I love it. Um, okay, who else we got? Um, who else let's we have see. Here? Bambi is, I'm going to say Miss Piggy. She's a Miss Piggy of the, of, of the okay. group. Uh, and Richie. Oh, my God. Who is Richie? Come on. Hmm. Got we got to figure that out. I don't know. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, who, Robin Beaker. Could you be a, a grown-up Robin? Robin is a wait. Who's Robin? Is that the little frog? Robin was is Kermit's. That nephew. is so cute. Yes, I love that. But honestly, like you might be. Robin. I think I think it's a <laughs> mix on, between Robin and Fozzie the bear. I do think. Okay. Fozzie's like Robin? this lovable teddy bear, and so am I. <laughs> I like that. We we don't you know again like the structure. I'm always. Ralph. I like to, I like to start <gasps> wait a second. Like Did you just say Ralph? That's who. That's who Richie is. Richie's Ralph. Ralph is my favorite Muppet too. So yeah, that that's sense. what I'm thinking. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, right. But by, by by the way, I've got to ask about the wardrobe. Yes, Oscar, because grow, growing up in the '90s, raiding thrift stores <laughs> for all the '70s clothes I could find, and like being obsessed with disco and P-funk and just wearing butterfly yes. collars every day to high school, I have to know what it's like to be dressed up like that. You've got the mutton oh my, chops, yes, <laughs> and you've got the <laughs> the mustache and the, and the chain, mm -hmm. and it's amazing. That baby fro, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was great. I mean, I sh you know, shout out to Beth Morgan who was in charge of wardrobe uh on the show an absolute icon but uh yeah like a lot of the stuff that i wore was actually worn by johnny foam who is the the guy who was in charge of the sort of the costume house that we took a lot of our clothes from so okay. the platform shoes that i wore and the jeans that i wore were worn by someone in the 70s which to me felt like such an wow. honor like i got to wear like actual real clothes i will say I don't typically dress that tight of clothes. Like I don't wear clothes that are, <laughs> I wear a lot of loose clothing. I'm a big oversized shirt kind of guy. And Minx made me really just wear one of the, just the most tightest clothing I've ever, I've ever, ever worn. But it was just so fun to be, you know, to be wearing clothes that tight. <laughs> It was great. It was great to look at myself in the mirror. Yeah, that's definitely my fantasy is to go to work and get dressed up oh, like the it's 70s. So, yeah. It's really, 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 really fun. I mean, if you look, if you look at, I mean, I, I want to, I want to wrap up at about five, but my like entire apartment and dress, I'm still, I mean, I'm perp I'm wearing my Barry Manilow. <laughs> I love it. Uh, it's very faded out. You can't see Barry anymore. Um, I'm still trying to convince my 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 Jewish mother that Barry is not straight. She's still upset about if, if I even bring it up. She doesn't want to know. I want to thank you how much. Like I feel like you know, to, just just to kind of put it out there. Like I definitely fell in love with your character. Aww, I feel like thank you. I, you as a person, I've just fallen in love with Aww. as a person. We're not getting married. Maybe we, we will. No, know. we will. It's happening. <laughs> but I just feel like I think like that's it. Like it's I don't know. I think we have the only way to really survive these times is like loving the fuck out Absolutely. of each other and like doing things that highlight our friends and highlight people. Um, this could not have gone any, any Aww. better to me. I, you know, I'm hoping I get to, I really, I'm really excited to talk to Carly and Lennon. I'm hoping that works. Oh out. yeah. And, you know, we'll be listening now. You better Come be on. Join in. It's fun. <laughs> I'll, I'll put it out there that I'm a reverend of the church of the sub genius. So if anyone wants to get married on the <laughs> podcast, all of rich, I mean, I'm to. single. I don't know if you're single, but let's do this. <laughs> you know, I'm a mommy. Da I'm you're a daddy mommy, but I can switch those. I could be a daddy mommy or a mommy daddy. Who knows? Exactly. <laughs>
Ooh, yeah. What's the difference? We got to map this out. What are you pushing? What do you want? What do you want everyone to find in you? What do you, we want to give you a time now to like plug your stuff? What do you oh, want um, so, you know, I right. you can follow me on social media at um, Ozzymo, O-Z-Z-Y-M-O. You can also follow my uh, podcast called Podcast Kill the Video Star. It's a music video podcast where we try to find the top 100 definitive music videos of all time. And it's a collaborative podcast where the listeners can pick the videos that are going to be on the podcast and you can follow us at podcast kill the video star it's great i love music videos love music videos so very much uh and and the final thing is uh you know i'm uh a uh, series regular on a show called Dimension 20 that's on Dropout by the College Humor people, which is really cool. So yeah, if you like Dungeons and Dragons, it's a great show to watch. So uh, check check me out on Dimension 20. Cool. You are a doll. Oh, uh, you're a doll. Thank you so much for being thank here. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. What a treat. Yes, thank you so much. I'm, it's going to be thrilling watching the show now, knowing that we had this conversation. <laughs> All right, thank you so much to Oscar Montoya for talking with us. Find him on Instagram or Twitter at at Ozzymo, O-Z-Z-Y-M-O. Check out the show Minx on HBO, the show Dimension 20 on Dropout, his work on the College Humor site, and his podcasts Inside the Disney Vault and Podcast Killed the Video Star. Thank you to all the folks who've given us such positive feedback on this podcast so far, including my friends Alexa, Jason, Galax, Tom, and others. Special shout out to Jenny Marie and Penelope. Contact us at vintageannalsarchive at gmail.com or at vintageannalsarchive on Instagram. Our website is, you guessed it, vintageannalsarchive.com. Don't forget that second N in annals because the Vintage Annals Archive is something very different. Please leave us a voice message with a question, a suggestion of who to interview next, topics we should cover, or just to say hi. Go to anchor.fm slash VAAPod and you might hear yourself on the next episode. That's anchor.fm slash VAAPod. This show was mixed, edited, and recorded by me, Dr. Thunder, a.k.a. Alex Spencer. Alexandra Jones lent me her peerless script editing skills. The Vintage Annals site and Instagram were created and are curated by my co-host Rich Wexler, photographer extraordinaire, who you can find at at Rich Wexler Photographer on Instagram. Find me at thunderkaraoke.com or at thunderkaraoke on Facebook or Instagram. Until next time, this is Dr. Thunder saying so long, suckers.